Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser. Um, there are four of us uh, discussing the latest goings on uh, around QPR this evening. So joining me, as is often the way um, from independent ours and the QPR podcast for going on 10 years now, is Paul Finney. Hi, Paul. Not 10 years, is it? Yeah, it'll be 10 years in September. Flippin' heck. I... Yes, yeah, it's, it's only that... seemed like 18. No, I, I remember that evening very well in the pub in Finchley. This now not a pub anymore, it's a chicken shop. It was a chicken shop. That was the night that we met to discuss it. Do you remember what our, um, what do they call it when you do a, a trial version? What do they call it? Pilot. Do you remember we recorded a pilot episode? I do. Do you remember, was... do you remember what it was called? Sitting on the dock of the Dares, on it? Sinton on the dock of the bay was the name yeah. of our pilot yeah. episode. Which... But I was surprisingly drunk for that one. If, if you go on our website and you follow the trail through the archives... Oh, don't listen to that. Actually, don't listen to that. That was you, awful. You can actually find that episode somewhere, Sinton on the Dock of the Bay. Where did we and record was, that? Did we record that in TalkSport or something? 15 minutes in TalkSport. Chris Mendes, who was part of the team that got the podcast off the ground, we recorded it in his workplace, didn't we? 15 minutes of me, you, Chris and Chris. Yeah. Anyway, hello, Paul. Hello, you keep well. Um, also joining us back for a return performance, I think three weeks, maybe, after the last one. He did so well. Charlie Wise from Talking Rangers. Hi, Charlie. Hi, how are we doing all? We're all good. We're all That's slightly there. in awe of your professional setup. <laughs> because Paul's sort of there in front of foliage and I'm here with like shelves in the background and Brian, who I'll introduce at the moment, is on his couch. You are there three framed Royal Panda QPR shirts behind you, professional microphone setup, earphones in the ears. Are you going to show us up tonight? Um, that's the plan. We can at least try. That's, we can try. <laughs> won't I've hard. actually, to be fair, I've actually made an effort. That's all I'm saying. Have you? Uh, and also, uh, Brian McCarthy is here. Brian, hi. Welcome to podcast. Hi, everyone. Hi there. You are the furthest away from the rest of us because you are not even in this country, are you? I'm not. No, I'm uh, I'm in Cork. Um, I've I, I mean back and forth from England to Ireland a lot. I was born in England and uh, spent the first five years there down at Rangers. My dad was a season ticket holder and he dragged me down as a toddler. And then I was brought up in Ireland, went back to England and spent a lot of the 80s and 90s and with Rangers in England and loved it. Uh, but I'm back in Ireland now for 25 years and uh, following it all from a from a distance. And when yep. it's when it's normal times, how often do you get over? About three, four times a year, I, I'd hope. Uh, normally around Christmas, I've got family in England, so I try and squeeze in games when I'm visiting them, or squeeze in them when I'm visiting games more more often than not. And so I try it three or four times. I, I'd know uh, I kept in touch with an awful lot of my mates and my mates down the years. So the whole experience of listening to Nick London talk about QPR legends and Andy Sinton um, giving his his analysis, which is new to a lot of us, or not new now, but let's not forget, new. let's not forget how he describes the ball being squirted from one side of the pitch to the other. That should just be <laughs> abolished from any football terminology. <laughs> squirted the ball, but Brian, you must that that's like 
meat and drink for you, isn't it? You're used to all that. There's no novelty yeah. in that. That's how you yeah, follow the games, is it? I mean, that's actually kind of the only thing I really had for the hours end, really, which I'll get to later. But I think for those of you, I feel for you that they're used to going to matches. The lockdown has hit you hard. It's hit your routine. Whereas for us, it's, it's enhanced our routine. We've got used to streaming the last few years. We're used to, to London and Sinton. And now there's a lot more people streaming. And I, I find there's a lot more phone calls after games. There's a lot more WhatsApp groups. Um, Charlie and others have joined the internet experience. And it's an, I, I think the, the Rangers family have come together an awful lot during the lockdown. And I think those further away have benefited from that. There's no doubt. Uh, That's really interesting. I've never thought about that because... For those of us who are lucky enough to go and have season tickets, whatever, this is awful. But for you guys, for the for the people around the world who listen and watch the games, it's 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 better. I didn't even think about that. It's kind of a better experience. Yeah, the sounds of it. yeah I feel kind of guilty bringing it up, but thanks very much. <laughs> it's, it's weird though, because years ago, the only way people would have got match reports and that would have been like Football Monthly, would have been things like that there that you'd, you'd be behind and you'd follow from afar. I know that for myself, my own experience living in Northern Ireland and stuff. You do, I know you had Radio 2 in them days or whatever it was called in them days. But yeah, it's, it's quite bizarre. Brad made me go into a panic attack. And before we recorded, he told me we got drunk in Cork together. And I'm pretty sure I'd never been in Cork in my life, but my brain was going, was I? Was I really? How the freak did I get to Cork? And no one told me. So, so you have so, been to Cork? I haven't been to Cork now. No, Paul, I was joking. Uh, when we oh, did meet, no, I thought it was the common sector we met in. That was like, the, the, I would call that Notting Hill years, because the Notting Hill years, I don't remember a damn thing, we lived in Notting Hill, and I would have joined that, quite frankly. But it's interesting, Brad, that you're around the 80s and 90s, like the glory years, and then going back and, and having to sort of, not so much glory. It's, it's must have been pretty tricky when you've seen it every week in, week out. Yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty horrible, really. I left um, in 96 when we got relegated, and uh, mm. that felt like abandoning the ship, um, but I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it, it was, as you say, you're, going, you're back to Ireland where, you know, you existed on newspapers and, you know, really poor reports. Those days people didn't ring each other as much. Um, so I drifted. There's no other way to say it. I drifted, and you'd look at the results, and Rangers are getting worse, and you know, I seemed uh, very estranged from it. And I think that more or less was uh, the experience for quite some time for all of us who lived overseas. Uh, but then streaming got better, first illegal streaming and then official streaming. And uh, uh, it, now it's it's heaven for those of us further away. Um, mm. I'm very grateful yeah. for it. Um, right. I, 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 I better... Thank the sponsors before we get on with the uh, the game stuff. So thank you to everybody who continues to support us. You can go on our website, QPR Pods. There's a button at the top saying support the show. Um, and we really are grateful for those um, uh, listeners who give a few quid every now and again to help us keep recording. So the uh, the sponsor of the podcast tonight is Jay Enrile. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He's in the Philippines. Um, oh, okay. Pretty impressive. An international. We're, we're, yeah, we, we are. Ireland and the Philippines. Um, <laughs> that makes Cork practically right in the corner. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much, Jay. And the beers have been sponsored by Dave Clayton. Oh, Dave, okay. Very good. Very Pretty good. Thank you, guys. I usually, as well, at this stage in lockdown podcasts, go around and, and do a haircut check 
for no other reason other than just to see the status of everything. I mean, we're, I'll come to Brian in a moment. He's looked superb. Um, Paul, you and I are sort of tying for worse. I mean, this time next week, hopefully, it will all be improved. Charlie's a young man, so he's putting a lot of effort in. There's probably a fair bit of product there. Um, he may even live with a hairdresser. Brian, I'm wondering if you are a hairdresser because you've got perfect hair. For You are locked down over there, right? Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're in perpetual lockdown. Uh, so, yeah, we've, we've all been learning to cut our own hair. Very so good. We, you just go with the skinhead. Very good. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, David. Um, I look like I've stuck my finger in the plug. <laughs> um, <laughs> you actually, you do. With a, with a, a middle bit missing. So, yeah. And I'm not really bothered about it because when you're born this ugly, nothing can really make it any worse. So I'm, I'm actually all right with it. But yes, it's, it's a very strange haircut. Nothing. I, I, I probably would be bothered, I would say. If, if all I right, okay. That, that would be but I wasn't until five but, seconds ago. Mine, mine is as bad, so I can't talk. Um, right, let's get on with it. So uh, finally, uh, we've only been going for 10 minutes. We haven't talked about QPR yet. Um Two games since the last podcast um, and very, very QPR goings on because a superb performance, was it Friday? It was Friday yeah. against Coventry and a not superb performance yesterday. And we went from being sort of almost like a goal a game, a point a game-ish from the playoffs to just not possible now in in. In uh, almost overnight. So who's who wants to take it first? I don't mind running. I don't mind Go running. On, um, I think the those two games are sort of epitomised QPR. I mean, it kind of a bit like the weather this week. You go from the start of the week, it was about 25 degrees. I don't know where you guys are. It was lovely here. So then today it's snowing. Um, QPR, a complete juxtaposition in performances. I mean, that was probably testament down to a very poor Coventry side. I'm going to get that straight out there. They did probably flatter us a little bit. But we looked so composed and assured in that performance. It was a complete performance from start to finish. Not one point did I ever think we weren't going to get the result. I don't think I've ever been so calm and and comfortable watching a game. I just felt like we were always going to win. To to Forest, where I don't think we ever started the game. Um, We looked flat, sluggish and... Um, yeah, it just summed up QPR. The only consistent thing about QPR is that we're, we're consistently inconsistent. So, um, yeah, just a complete mixed bag from QPR this weekend. Oh, I think as bad as Coventry were, we were as bad as Forest at Forest, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I am starting to think of a freaking scud because on Friday, I was jinxed in your language. Um, on Friday, I was, I was praised the job up with... Joe Leonard, believe it or not, QPR fan. Okay. So in Hampstead. So I was kind of listening to it on the radio, so I couldn't see it. And we were 3 0 up. <laughs> and then I get home in time to see it. And um, yeah, it, 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 you know, it didn't get any better than that. Although we played really well. And then I watched the Forest game and we all know what happened. So it's actually my fault. I'm <laughs> totally convinced it's actually my fault. So I'm. Um, Every every home or away game, I'm going to sit in a tree in Hampstead like it was on Friday, trying to get reception to watch it on the phone. But now it's it's very frustrating because yeah, the playoffs are probably over now. And we've got to decide what we do from now. Do we do we throw some more kids in? Do we give other people more oh, game time? They're not they're not probably over. They're over. We're thirteen uh, points off for seventh. Oh yeah, yeah. 
So but, cheers, Paul. Know. We're not going to Wembley just because you you were busy watching the game. It's disgusting, Paul. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, I feel kind of guilty. And I was saying that, you know, it wouldn't feel the same in lockdown, would it? You know, you, you couldn't do the Wembley walk. It wouldn't be the same. So, but it's just weird because it's got a real dilemma now. Do we, do we go for it as in keep trying to get results going or do we bring in Kelman and other people just to see what they can do and see, see if they can, you know, to be fair, I would give him a go anyway because I think with... Um, he should come on and just see what he can do and um, maybe see give um kick um the right back slot make that a bit more his you know there's things that we can do to, to improve the team and and help us on our way because we're going to need it for next season because it's interesting anyone see that financial embargo that the football league have really messed up on so there's mm. 10 clubs have got ten an embargo clubs, yeah. which is actually no fault of their own which is the, the most football league thing ever they're so crap the 10 teams now have got a transfer embargo because the Football League forgot to tell them something anyway. So it's it's, it's going to be int- I would like to see more game time given. I think Ball was poor yesterday. I've got to be mm. honest and, and call that for what it was. But I think it might have been just asking too much to get him to play in that role. It's not really his fault. But, you know, it's Forrest. I mean, God, I hate getting stuffed at Forrest. It was nice a couple of years ago. We won for the first time in 125 flipping years or whatever it was. But, um, it could, you know, it's just, it's just one of them places where we just never play well constantly it annoys me but there you go but you know it's Rangers playoffs are over on to next season Ryan well I think we should talk about the Coventry game because there's a temptation you know because the Forest game came after to forget about the Coventry game if the games were reversed and we played terrible at Forest and then moved on to Coventry we'd all be talking about nothing else but Coventry I thought it was an excellent performance um they were poor I agree with Charlie they were really poor but we were great from the first minute uh, and we set the tone. Whereas against mm-hmm. Forest, um, we were poor from the first minute. Uh, we, we sat back immediately against Forest and Forest did what quite a few teams have done against us now, which is pack the midfield and ask us to play through them. Uh, and when you know Forest are going to do that, it's curious to me that you pick, I don't want to unload on him, but Don Ball is not the man to pick, to pick passes through packs midfields. And we've seen that before. So, I know there was a bit of a conundrum there with the centre-back spot, but I think looking back on it, and I am looking back on it because I didn't say it before the game, um, I think possibly Ball should have dropped into defence uh, with Fields allowing Johansson to push further forward. Then maybe we've got a chance of getting through that midfield. As it was, we were poor from the first minute. And we really, I thought to me, there's a danger in mind reading, but we never looked convinced in ourselves that we could get the job done and get through that midfield. Um but the counter game shouldn't be forgotten. It's one of our best performances of the season, if not the best. Uh, and I, yeah, I think that needs remembering. You know, when we sum up at the end of the season, if nothing else. Do you know what, though, Brad? You're right. But I watched the counter game back on the, the Sunday to, to see. It was off the off the ball stuff that we were doing was frightening as well against Coventry. That's I mean, spot on, spot on. You know, you, you, could, you can look at Coventry and say, well, they didn't play well. We didn't let them. You know, everything mm. was just. And this is, I think this is what Warburton's like. When he gets it right and when it's bang on, it's glorious. Mm. And when it goes per ship, you get forest. It's one of them things. But I mean, I wouldn't go for an overreaction and say like, Jesus, this is the end of the world. You know, I would take the position we're in now. I mean, the, all I could think about when we considered the two, the schools we scored on Friday, I'm looking at it thinking, this is a side that we always could be. Do you know what I mean? All through the season. If only we'd done this from September, we could be up there, blah, blah, blah. And you look at forest, you think, Christ, that's what we were like before January so you can see the difference in how far we've come in two games which is quite interesting but no, 
listen, I'm still hoping and I'm still happy with how the season's going. We got our arse in the gear at last. And there's a there's a spine of a good side there. I'm just wondering how we're going to make it work for next season. But there's a there really is so much positivity for next season. I think if we can hang on to a few players and, and make a few players our own, you know, the, the, the world's an oyster. Look at Barnsley. I mean, you can't not look at Barnes and say anything is possible yeah. in this league because yeah. it is. Do you think we suffered from the quick turnaround in games? Or I know, I know, it's, I know in theory it's not quicker than what we've had to deal with most weeks, but there's something about that Easter weekend turnaround um, and, you know, not no travel. And, and, and I saw a stat today, which I had not seen before, and it was in Clive's match report on Loffer Words. Which was, we are we have I think I think it was something along the lines of we are unbeaten this season after we've had eight days or more in between games, on seven oh, occasions, good. on seven occasions when we've had a gap of eight days or more we've not lost. I think we've won four and drawn three. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it was there and I missed it. I don't know what the stats are when games have been closer together, but we seem to be a team that. I mean, Warburton almost bangs on about the kind of rest thing and not overworking players to the point where actually it becomes a thing. But it has become a thing. Mm. Yeah. And I want... Sorry, go on, Brian. I I, I agree with that. Or at least I share the worry. He talks about it so much that sometimes you think it'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. And I think if you talk to a dressing room about a problem, it becomes a problem. Um, So I wonder if there was a bit of that. Um, I also wonder just straightforward you don't have much time to tactically prepare the team and it was a completely different tactical challenge whereas if you've got eight days to tactically prepare for Coventry you're going to get it right and maybe that is echoed or is reflected in the quick start but the the sports science thing leads me to another kind of concern I had about Monday if you've got a manager who believes as utterly in sports science as Warburton does you know and we're praising him for keeping the injuries down so the players know that he does and if you know that you've got five subs that you can use why in the name of God would you not leave it all on the field? Oh, teams? my God, yeah. And, I mean, there was quite a few players. I could probably only name three players who left it all on the field. And, I mean, that's sounding very old and traditional, but it's still the basics of any performance in any sport is you leave it all out there. And mm. in 60 minutes, if you're sunk, you put your hand up and you get replaced. Um, and on Monday, whether it's a psychological thing or not, I don't know, but uh, quite a lot of our players, um, I think, Paul, you mentioned the work off the ball. Mm. the contrast was amazing on Monday even if you looked at the edges of our screens there was little movement there was players checking back because they had no pass checking back again because they had no pass and eventually we just kept going backwards and backwards and that usually evidences poor movement up front well, I think the Barbay goal well the goal that came from Barbay not clear well, enough when been, he should have... that's been keeping me up for nights Naz Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's you know you you could put you could play that a hundred times in a video loop, couldn't you, Brian and, and and Charlie and David? You go right. What's he going to do? There's a thousand things you can do here. He did the one thing he shouldn't have done, and he, you know that's. I don't think that's tiredness. That's just switching off, and it's just one of them things because he's been actually in the last few months had a right turn around. So yeah. I'm not going to hammer him, but I, I didn't understand what was going on there. I think. I think you're right, Brad. If you keep going on about it, every, every team's going to play these games. We're not the only ones. You've got to get through it, but you've got to do your team management and everything else. And yeah, I think I think sometimes if you keep telling people they're going to get tired, they're going to get tired. It's mentally, but 
I just think that, you know, we, we didn't get the subs right on Monday. Everything we did perfect on Friday, we did the opposite on Monday. That's all I can just I can yeah. say about it, you know. Friday, everything was perfect. Subs was brilliant. The players are brilliant. They're buzzing off each other. They're working off each other. Austin's pushing from the front. Um, Lumley had a very good game, actually. It was good to see him come back and, 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 and do yeah. that, um, which is important for him. So it's, it's hard to say, isn't it, really? But the defence did look a wee bit out of sorts. Like Kai Kai on, on Friday was amazing. And yesterday he looked, on Monday, so he didn't look so good. So there's lots of things. But the main thing is we're going to be safe this season. So where do we go from here for the rest yeah. of the season? What, what do we do? I was going to interject quickly. I, I completely agree with the... It, it did feel a really quick turnaround from, from Friday to, to Monday. But at the same time, that's the same as a Saturday, Tuesday. Um, and if you look at it, we didn't have that many players that um, went away for the international break. A lot of them, um, you know, have been training through the week, but have been rested from a 90 minutes. And I don't really think that should excuse that we talked about. I think the key point I completely agree um, that Dave made was the lack of movement. If you compare the movement, the creativity, um, and like I say, the, sort of the work rate from, from the side and in both games completely epitomised and kind of was the reason, in my opinion, for why we were so poor in that game. I think another another kind of factor, in my opinion, was, was Johansson. He was unbelievable in the Coventry game. I think he's pulled strings in the games that he's played since January. And I think he's been a big factor. And I think if you look back as well, I'm not sure Jack's point out, but Tom Carroll, when Tom Carroll played the start of the season, he pulled the strings for QPR. And when he, when he went out the side, we missed him big time. And Johansson, he, for me, I don't think he performed against Forrest. I think that was his worst game he's had in the blue and white hoops. And when he kind of, you look at the pass he made in the Coventry game where he put Ilias Cherfi a couple of times and George Thomas, his passing accuracy was completely off in the Forest game. The tempo that he sort of brings, you know, he wasn't linking defence to attack. And I think we just completely struggled um, with the numbers that Forest had and sort of um, how dominant they were in midfield. When your big midfield player doesn't turn up, QPR completely struggled to play. And I think down to a lot of a lot of misperformances in Forest. But I think when your main man, your talisman in the middle of the pitch, isn't on his best game, I think that was a big reason why QPR struggled, as well as doing mistakes from from Barbe. And, I, and I'm going to say it now, I do not want to slate Dieng, but he just didn't seem to turn up, did he? I'm not sure where he was for the Barbe goal. He was a few yards out of the goal when um, his foot was pitching a bit off there. I think the Ghana one, he could have probably got to. The shot came from, the, sorry, the cross came from a long distance out. It wasn't that much pace on it. It was on the side he was at. I think you should have got there. So, um, yeah, I think there was a couple of things wrong with the, the Forest game, but the movement and, you know, your main player not turn up is kind of a big reason think, for that. I think, think Lumley should have played again. Yes, this is this is what I was going to come in and where I was end actually, but um, I'm, I'm ruining everyone's I'll say. <laughs> but it's is, is, is an interesting one because, you know, hindsight's a great thing. And um, you do see that, look, uh, maybe Dieng shouldn't have played the game. There's obviously cause for concern where Dieng's obviously can't come back. He's played for Senegal in the international break. And there's obviously a reason the jet lag or what have you, where they've gone, okay, Lumley needs to play this game. And and like we said, it feels like a quick turnaround, a turnaround. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't long enough for him to kind of climatize again to time difference and what have you. But, you know, Lumley would have, would have come in with a massive resurgence in, in confidence. He'd have been thriving off that one. I think he'd be disappointed not to play the next one. So like I say, hindsight's a big thing. Maybe he wasn't ready. Um, but at the same time, when we all saw him back on the team sheet, I'm pretty sure all QPR fans thought that's probably the right decision. So like you say, it's, you can look back on it. Um, and think it's the right decision and, and maybe he wasn't ready, but, you know, it's done. I think at the moment, that international break 
and the travel, but also the whole COVID thing, and you've got to get mm. tests, and you're going from bubbles to bubbles, and he's travelling halfway around the world. That uh, that must be brutal. And yeah. I know sort of football fans tend to say, yeah, but how hard is it to play a few games of football a week or whatever? But it must be pretty brutal, and I think it probably was the right decision not to play him on Friday. But yeah, maybe maybe he, he probably needed a few more days, I don't know. And yeah, Lumley certainly, it was good to see Lumley back. Hmm. and have that burst of confidence, wasn't it? The, tr- the trouble is, though, you know, maybe in the back of the man, and this, this is a point, of, you know, that I was thinking about afterwards, um, is if Lumley had messed up, he'd have been absolutely slaughtered again yeah. um, because he doesn't get away with anything. I mean, you know, Diang and, and Kelly, to some degree, could get away with a lot more. But if Joe does anything wrong, he's absolutely fried. And it's not right, and, and he's hung out to dry. But I think it'd be hard on Diang to, to, to take him out the side and, and put Lundy in after he's played so well. But I, I think the club are kind of worried about this thing that Joe gets. Because it's unfair a lot of the time. You know, he's he's played with a, a mad defence half the time as well. People forget that. And, you know, he's under pressure a lot of the time. And there's a good goalkeeper in Joe Lundy. He will go on somewhere and be a decent goalkeeper but sadly it probably won't be a QPR because he'll probably leave Things that, as I was going to come on quickly upon that point um, completely agree that the stick that Lumley's got over the years has been detrimental to sort of um, his, his decline in form and I think it's very hard for a player to come back from that but at the same time, I think in that sort of essence, on that note, you've got to praise Lee Wallace. I know we did it when I was on the podcast a few weeks ago, but the abuse he's got, he never really settled at QPR, never really uh, got firing. But how he started that Coventry game straight away, um, linking out with Villas chair, he has been, for me, the player of the month. Um, and straight away getting the assist in for Wallace, he was just been, he just, like, Wallace has come back from that fantastically. And you've, you've got to give credit where it's due. He's been untouchable on the left flank uh, the last month or two. I agree. Yeah. I think, I think the thing about Lumley is really interesting. I hadn't thought about that, David, whether, whether he should have started or not yesterday. I think that's one of those behind closed doors decisions. You know, you talk to him, is he ready? Do the physio say he's ready? Uh, and if he is, then Dieng probably goes back in. Uh, also, Lumley's had a good game. Everyone's delighted for him. Mm. Uh, surely part of you as manager is thinking, Jesus, let's just leave it at that for now. Do you know? You bring him to Forest, mm. a place where we haven't had much luck and they're a good team. And you put him in and he makes a mistake and he's back to square one again with him. And he's a player that I, I think has behaved impeccably since he's came out of the team. And you just want to wish the best for him. Yeah. And neither of those goalkeepers are responsible for why we didn't score until the 90th minute yesterday. Oh, no, no. So. Agreed. And I'll tell you one thing, to be fair to Wolverton, how the frig do you pitch up against Nottingham Forest? You don't even know how many players are going to put at the bench, who they're going to play. <laughs> yeah. they, they must have possibly the biggest squad in the Football League and the Lippin Premier. It's unbe- Their squad is unbelievable. Mm. You know, because I, I don't even think Freeman's been playing that much for them. No. no but, yeah, I heard from a couple of Nottingham Forest fans that they, they just don't rate him at all. He's not really had a good enough run in the side. He's not really imposed himself and he's just not looked, he's not looked the player he has since QPR. And I think that's obviously a lack of confidence where he's gone from being QPR's main man for a good few seasons, everything going for him, gone to Sheffield United, not really got out much of a look in. Um, he's been kicked out of there, gone to N- Nottingham Forest. Probably a very bad choice for him to go where the competition he's got for places there against Canocart, another one with a big ego, another one that thinks he can top it. Probably a bit like Freeman and it, it's just been a decline for him, isn't it? So it's, um, yeah, it was it was weird to see him not really impose himself in that game. Do we think as well, 
there was the there was in between the two games something happened in that we went from being like all like in theory safe to actually safe because when you got 50 points accepted wisdom is that's probably enough but it's not comfortable then you get to 53 points and you you know that you're staying up on 53 points unless unless there's kind of some freak occurrence and so do you I, I wonder if psychologically that played a part in it and what made me think that played a part in it was not necessarily the performance because we've had this Jekyll and Hyde performance a few times but it was actually the comments I saw I saw in the post-match comments from Warburton and Charlie Austin who were not neither of them were that anxious after the Forest game about us having lost it they were both pretty chilled out about it I think Wrote down what um, Warburton said. He said there's no shouting and screaming going on up there in the dressing room. Austin said you win some, you lose some. Yeah. There's, there, there, there was there's sort of they're fairly chilled out about this loss, I think. And, and I'm not I'm not sort of casting any I'm not throwing any mud about sort of anyone's professionalism. But what I mean is there doesn't seem to be an anxiousness that was there a few weeks ago. Well, well, I think it goes back to Charlie's point. It's feasible, again, we don't want to read minds, but I, I do get your point, but it goes back to Charlie's. There comes a legitimate time where you start planning for next season mm. and possibly maybe there's that undercurrent running through the club where Bar- Warburton has been congratulated. Okay, now let's start thinking about next season. Um, without going over the whole Kane thing again, he disappeared between Friday and Monday. Um, you know, maybe other players, like Patash was brought on for the first time in quite some time. So maybe there is that undercurrent. And if you just drop 1% in terms of immediate motivation during your performance, it, it, can, it can pretty quickly snowball once you go goal down. Uh, because this, after all, was not the game that you thought was a must win. So then you go goal down and then it start to drop. And I think they did slightly on Monday. So I wouldn't rule it out. I think it's feasible, yeah. The thing is, O'Brien, just to come in on the Kane issue, you know, you've got to rest your fifteen million pound players. Just after. <laughs> it's Jesus. you know, I, I I fully fully understood that. <laughs> um, <laughs> hopes for the rest of the season. What would you like to see? So, so Paul, you've said a couple of times now that you'd like to see Kelman. Well, why not? Playing. I mean, he's he's got to you know, he, there's some. I like the fact that he's just eager to get on, don't you? Go, but well, you know, he he comes on. He's 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 hungry to get on. He, he looks hungry. Um, it's good to see Dyke score. Um, it would just be nice to see what he can do. We've obviously brought him here for a reason, and we've got to, you know, we've got to look at the squad for next season because if we do lose Austin and that, then we've got Bon Dykes. I'm going to have um, the young lad, so it's 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 a tricky one. But certainly like to see him get more game time and see what Albert can do a bit more on that right hand side because his crossing is that. I mean that cross. I mean flipping heck. I mean. Talk the way he dinked it was just amazing. So maybe use Albert a bit more. Maybe see what, if there's anyone else in the club that can step up in the Patash is definitely a good shot because everyone raves about him. So yeah, why not? You know, let Kakai settle in that right back position or and see if he can make that his own. Obviously, he's under pressure from the 15 million pound man now because someone else has come in for a bid um, and just stopped it. So we'll see if he can make that his own and and just. Keep going. I mean, whether he'll bring back Cam. The interesting thing would be if he brings back the old heads like Cameron and that, though, or he gives someone else a go and see what they can do. Um, I think like Cameron's we- going in the summer. Yeah, 
Yeah. So then why would you why would you bring him back, particularly at this stage? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, you know what he can do, but I don't think he'll be here next season. So you could argue we need to look at, um, you know, Jordi more than him. I'd really like to see more of him. I mean, I won't say say it hasn't worked alone because when he has played, he's made a contribution, but he just hasn't played enough, has he? And is there a possibility to sign him next year? And if there is, Let's get him in. If there isn't, then, then I think the trouble is we talk about side trying to break him in. We talk about the Wallace. One thing that just hit me is was he he probably hasn't been fit until this last couple of months, and I think the same goes for Yordi. I think he's he's not fit. He's coming in doing his bit, and then he's having a couple of games out again. That's my personal opinion. I think we will sign him now. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure there was. Um, in the deal, there is an option for um, a full-time, um, well, a longer-term contract after the deal because he is out of contract at the end of the season with Hull. Um, I think, like I say, I think we were talking about earlier, David talking about the sports science and everything. How we've done well to keep injuries down this season. Can someone please just tell me who's done the medical for Jordy Device? Who's <laughs> um, done the medical? He's been out for months. They finally got him back. He's played too many games too quickly and he's injured again. But never mind, that, that's another point for another day. But I just want to come back to what point David made and kind of shed a little bit of different light because I think it's quite an interesting point about sort of the psychology and behind. Because it is an interesting point. Um, you don't really want to see one of, your, one of your main players coming and saying you win some, you lose some. You want to see him a bit more hurt by that. And it, it is an interesting stance to sort of take, especially from um, a leader at the club. But maybe is that down? I don't know if this might not be true. It could be true, might not be. Um, QPR, I think, when we we sometimes lose a game, um, we then normally go on and lose a good couple. You know, we win four games, we lose four. Maybe now is it that there is a bit more belief in, in the side that we can maybe bounce back from that. Um, there is a sort of a bit more inner belief that, you know, we won't get sort of stuck in this way where in a, in a rut and we sort of, there's more confidence in the camp. And I think we've definitely seen that since from January onwards. So maybe that's a factor. I don't know. That could be completely irrelevant, but um David saying there, where do you think of finish? I think just trying to get in a in a top ten position would be a massive, massive improvement for QPR this year, and that's something I'd like to aim for. You do you do get stuck in that predicament, like saying about Cameron, do you play Cameron? Do you not? Um, it, it's hard because I, for me, in my opinion, I want to see QPR coming towards the tail end of the season now, and Warburton will be the manager of QPR next year. I want to see him try and try and install this five of the back formation where if he thinks it's, it's going to be right for QPR to go forward with it, then build on it and continue to use it in the best possible way, embed the players in, um, in this five, five back formation that we have done for a while, but then continue to use it and identify whether these younger players are going to fit the mold to be utilized well in this five at the back, this five at the back system. Um, and the ones that are and the ones that are not identify players that can play um, and be maximized in a five of the back formation. So I think he needs to use this time effectively um, try and see if, if the young players are going to fit into that five back formation and find the best way to play it. That sounds a lot to do. That is a lot to do, but um, that's my ideal. But I'd like to see the tell. You're both saying, and we'll, we haven't come to Brian yet on this, but we will shortly. You're both saying basically use this time as a sort of extended pre season for next year. And I'm never sure about that. And I'm never sure. Well, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure I like seeing that. And I'm not sure it ever works. I know you're not. I know I'm putting words in your mouth slightly. Yeah. <laughs> what you're saying is build a build a, a foundation for next year. Give young players game time, whatever. But part of me thinks I look today. We haven't got more. I'd like 61 points. 
because we've, mm. we've not got more than 60 points since we came down. We've not finished above 12th. So I'd like to finish 11th or higher with 61 points or more. And the way to do that is to play the best teams for all the, in the individual games that you have and try and win them all. And I would be, I, I get the, I get giving players game time and all that, but I want to not, I want the season not to peter out as a sort of experiment. Yeah, right. No, no. I can, maybe, maybe I kind of got my meaning across a little bit different. Now. I think, like I say, top 10 is where I want to finish. I, I don't want to see the next game. I don't want to see them get some under 23s in there, giving them a go. I'd like to see um, Charlie Kelman maybe start a game or two before the end of the season. I don't think that's unfeasible. Um, if he does revert to go back to the two up front with Charlie Austin, give him a go up with Charlie Austin. Uh, maybe give Batash the odd start. I don't I don't mean drop your Hanson Austin and whatever. I, I still want to see him kick on because by building a, like we're saying you can there's different ways you can build a foundation for the next season you can you can test young players and see how they fit or you can go in and this this january to end of the season i think has been really positive to qpr and by building and getting a good string of results together getting that that self belief in the camp where you know it's it's like say 61 points beat the 60 the 60 record whatever we had a while ago um and you can build for next season in that way where you're confident based on last season's results instead of seeing what players can fit so you know it's a different stance but i think get a balance between the two i want to see us bomb on for top 10 but just try try and implement the younger players a little bit more like i say so that's kind of my stance brian i'm more with with david on this one um I think you have to finish the season strongly. We've had two very positive seasons in patches. Right? Last year tailed off miserably. And you know, anyone who thought about Rangers during the summer thought about a lower division club. And that's bad enough for the fans and season tickets and players' morale. And, but it's also bad for players if they decide whether they're going to stick with Rangers as a proposition. And it's very bad for players that we're hoping to bring in. So I think for all of those reasons... You've got to finish as high as you can. I'm wary about throwing young fellas in. I think it rarely works. Kelman may be a great prospect for all I know, but I haven't really seen enough of Kelman to know whether he's worthy of a start. I'd much rather see Bond. Bond's going to be with us next year, and he hasn't played a lot of football recently. I'd yeah, like to see more of Bond Fox. played. Hmm? A while ago. I can't remember the last time Bond played. Exactly. Yeah. I'd like to see more from him. Uh, I'd like to see more of Thomas. He seems to be free of injury now. Um, and I'd like to see more minutes from him. I've seen good patches from him, and I've seen some quite periods when he came on as well, but I'd like to see more from him. They'd be the players I'd be more interested in seeing. Uh, Kelman has got a, a long long contract with us. He's got a big future ahead of him. His time will come. Uh, so I'd be, I'd be more cautious about it. Finish strong, get season tickets in, and, and establish our reputation as a, as a top-half club. I get, I get your point. I get your point. I just want to quickly come in and say that. But do you, don't you think that... Don't you just you don't that, agree with this. <laughs> <laughs> don't you think that George Thomas is sort of probably shown maybe less than Batash this season, though? I don't think George Thomas has really imposed himself and showed an awful lot. I don't think Bond has done an awful lot. Probably not that much more than Charlie Kelman. So, like I said, I, I get your point as well. They're probably the more oh. experienced out of the two. But... Again, you're putting you're putting those two in the side, and you're sort of diluting the quality of it there again. So um, I agree. It is, I it is, add, it is a tough one. I would add Patash to this definitely. He, he's the, the young player, and he's a bit older than Kelman, and he's the yeah. one that excites me at the moment. Yeah. But the thing is, on the on the other hand, is you've got to give them minutes. You've got to put them in competitive games to see how they're going to. If they're near ready, 
Um, you've got to see, obviously, they're not really, you don't, but you've got to see, because you see more of a player in these games than you will do in pre-season. So it's a really tricky one. I mean, finish as high as you can, but at the same time, I don't see the point in playing Cameron. We know what he can do. Let's yeah. give someone else a go. We'll try something different because he won't be here next season. I don't know. That's just me. I'd like to see other people get a go and see it. But Kat, Death Dash should definitely play and start. Kelman, I would start. Born. I can't. You're right. I can't. I think the last time he played, Neil Armstrong was found in a new place to go and hold her. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's been that long. So it's just, and it's been too long. We, but we desperately need Dykes and Bone to work because otherwise they're going to go on free transfers and we're going to lose a lot of money. They have to work. You know, mm. you spend that sort of money on them two players, they, they have to work. It's just as simple as that. Just on, on um, Brian's point about kind of the season not tailing off, looking through the fixtures we've got, we're not playing that many teams that um, don't have much to play for. And what I mean is, I mean, effectively, QPR don't have very much to play for, apart from a desire by the fans and hopefully by the players to go up. But but when we are playing Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham, next two games, both fighting for their lives. They're not going to be easy games. I think, I think, Borough probably out of it, but but you know they pick up a couple of results and they might think that they still can. We are playing Norwich in these final games. I think I think like the only one realistically that I think I don't think Stoke will have probably have anything by the time we get around to them. But a lot of the teams have got stuff to play for. They're not going to be easy games, and if we approach it to sort of experiment and coast, we will come unstuck and very quickly a sort of this semi-feel-good feeling that we have around the team will go. If we throw points away the last six or seven games, we will all be all be very miserable and unhappy again. But as we're saying that, though, it's probably better QPR playing against the better sides that sometimes play for, because when do we yeah. ever do well in a game that we play a side that's in a bad run of form or, like, say, nothing to play for? So who knows a QPR? Um, who's going to turn up? And I don't know. It's an interesting when- point, though. Wednesday only won five nil last night, so uh, they're not. Yeah, but to be fair, though, David, a much better Wednesday said it's won five nil. The one that hasn't won for seventeen years, the striker hasn't scored for a hundred <laughs> years, and the goalkeepers yeah. had a nightmare every game because you know what's going to happen. So yeah, listen, exactly. who knows? I mean, Luton haven't got much to play for either, nor have Stoke. So hopefully, but who knows? The thing it's weird, isn't it? Because it, it, I guess. I don't know what brand, Charlie, and you think, but a few months ago, we were cackering ourselves at this stage of the season. We look at the yeah. fixtures, give it Jesus Christ. You know, we yeah. could be down. The fact we're sitting having this conversation of, you know, experiments and playing this can only be a positive one in itself. You know what I mean? So it's mm. it's so tricky. And I think season tickets is a blinking good point, no brand, because season tickets worry me because I think we're still too expensive. I don't care what anyone says. There's a lot of money to watch QPR mm. in the championship, and we need to, it's all very well having one cheap section, but I think. I looked at prices the other day. If you're going to be a new season ticket holder in the upper loft, I think it's 588 quid or something like that. Though that's that's insane for the championship. Have they published the prices? I haven't even. Well, no, that's if you're like if you're not if you if you're not one of us now and you say say Brian came back to to London, and he wanted to go and watch Rangers, he'd be paying 588. No, I you mean, mean they published the prices for 2122. I know it's yet, but that's that's going to buy what it is now. What it was, yeah, yeah, and it's it's, it's to me it's still pricey because. We talked about this last week about the ground move for anyone that listened and stuff like that. There, and 
we've got to fill Loftus Road again, week in, week out. And I'm not, you know, I know Jim was saying a few things about trying this and trying that. We need to get the ground full again. We need to get it buzzing. And when we do go back, we need to make sure that it's rocking again because I think the ground does carry, the fans carry the players and vice versa. Yeah, it's, it's tough because the only time it's been like that is when we're in the Premier League in recent years. It's so, like I say, something's got to change for us to, to try and kick on and, and try and fill that stadium. I, I don't... I know it's just completely getting off into another topic now. The tangent is not the way you want to go, but I just I don't I don't understand this talk of a new stadium. I know this the stadiums is very costly to run, but like I say, the only time we filled Loftus Road, so the kind Prince, is when we've been in the Premier League. So um it's got to be one of the two. But well no, there was there was times, Charlie, to be fair. And I'm not saying because you're young, you see, you're not an old speaker <laughs> like me. And I think Brian might be, you know, we might the same sort of AJ Brown, yeah. Possibly, possibly. And um was yeah, there was listen, even in the first division, Brown will tell you as well either. You know, we could be playing someone one week and have twenty two thousand there mm. and Coventry and have eight thousand there. It's always kind of been that fluctuation in the support. And but the at the, the, the years after administration and stuff in the old division two, we were we were selling now. Yeah. Because the, it was priced as Jim said it was priced properly. It was there was a lot of incentives, and we kind of took the club back because we were skinned. We had to turn up, we had to support the club because there was a fear of losing it. We have to kind of get back that siege mentality, and we have to make the club special again, which it always has mm. been, and get it full again. Well, let's let's get in first. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Let's get in. <laughs> um, I'm going to move on to our end, mm. which is the end bit, the podcast. Anything that hasn't been brought up, I, I will. To spare anyone that hasn't thought of one, I'll go with mine first. The first one was a nod to Semi Deng, who um, has made the 442 list of top 50 players in the Football League. Yeah. Which, wow. uh, his, his story, uh, don't ask me where he is because I can't remember. It's, it's top 25, though. Um, top, uh, and he's our highest player. And it's, it's just sort of, again, I find his whole story remarkable. The fact that he was with us for four years under however many managers, never got a look in, was mm. third choice. And now all of a sudden, he's one of the top 50 players in the Football League. So well done to him. But that wasn't my point. My point was, I, I don't mention other podcasts, but I'm going to mention one this week because there is a general football podcast called Under the Cosh. And it's hosted by John yes, Parkin, the old Barnsley player. I mean, you say it's very good. It's not my sort of thing, I will be honest. I find it a bit bit much. However, they interviewed Ro- Rowan Vine uh, recently, uh, and I listened to that this week. And I would say, listen to it. Even with all the sort of nonsense of this podcast that isn't really my thing, oh, it is an eye-opener, that podcast. He does not hold back. He talk- It's in part two. If you go on to Spotify or whatever and listen to it, it's about his years at QPR and it's pretty much an hour on the whole goings on, everything that happened. Don't let your kids listen to it. It's what <laughs> I would say. Anyone that's listening to it, it is not for delicate ears, but it is a real eye opener. And I would recommend if you've got sort of an hour to spare, go and listen to Rowan Vine under the cosh part two, real eye opener from that whole period at the club. Saying that, sorry about the, the Under the Cush podcast. I've only seen the Bircham and the Paddy Kenny one, so I can't comment on the full podcast. It's probably to do oh. with them two guests, but <laughs> they are I good. I've listened to the Bircham one, but I hear that's good as well. Yeah, maybe. the Paddy maybe. Kenny one's class it's as well. It's very good. I, I agree with you. It's not my thing. And the Rowan Vine thing, I lasted one minute, I think, before I turned it off. <laughs> uh, but I will go back and listen to it, all right? He, he is a big, 
big fan of Rowan Vine. That's what I would say about the Rowan Vine episodes. <laughs> Rowan Vine is definitely Rowan Vine's biggest fan. <laughs> and the money he earned for not playing very many games is absolutely eye-watering. Um, but a lot of the stories are very, very interesting. I was trying to calculate it as he was sort of going along. He's very open about it. And I reckon he walked away with about three million quid from QPR for 50 games. They're like 50 robbery. Games, something like that. Always do, that's always going to make you happy, Paul. <laughs> well, I think it was a real, it was a weird time because anyone who followed QPR during them times and closely, it was just insane. You know, with players like him who we're spending lots of fortune on, and we were getting reserved players for Cole Shelton, and we were just crippling everyone. I think was it a trialist that broke his leg, the keeper? Um, uh, yes, the American keeper, Matt Pickens, broke yeah. his leg. Well he, well yeah, he, he, he came in and just sort of had a. A wee bit of a set turn. He, he came flying out and you know tried to send them over the other well, way. Tried, I think he tried to send the cork actually. To be totally honest with you, um, I know we're in the Heathrow flight path, but that was a bit. Yeah, so, so yeah, it wasn't safe because you had all these players with big money. I mean, Ajiman, all these players, and then you had some guy from Carshall to just going around kicking everyone who was said to me is probably the worst footballer anyone's ever seen. And, and do you remember the Italian goalkeeper who came? Was it Rossi or whatever? He was banned from playing in Italy for a betting scandal and stuff like that there. So there's a film to be made on the QPR years then, I'm telling you. There's an absolute film to be made. There was one. There literally was one. No, no. (laughs) That's the boardroom. The players and the promise of Rolex watches and everything else, It's it it would be an absolute brilliant film because you wouldn't believe half of it. You know, going to Italy in tours and... And then they turned up to play teams who'd never heard of you, didn't even know you were booked to play them and stuff. Do you know what I mean? There's all these... Uh, it, it, it was it was mad in every possible way. So if, if anybody film directors out there, they should make a film on that um, the Paladini years because the club was absolutely insane. Some of it good, some of it not so good. My was that end, your it, end? Was that no, your end? I'm just filling yeah. on for years because I just thought I'd just <laughs> waffle on, really. Because you want to keep these... I know you, the trouble is, what the listeners don't realise, that every podcast ever goes, I've been trying for 10 years to keep it down for 40 minutes. Terrible impersonation. I'm sorry, but I'm not, like, oval. Yeah, you asked um, for that, David. <laughs> I well, I think and, we're now um, at 49. I think we're at 49 minutes. And I have I great pleasure in ruining it every every week with <laughs> all, which is most weeks. So, I've done it. No, um, I don't know, really. Two, two quick ones, really, is um, for you lot. Are we, overall, are we happy? Could we have done better? Should we have done better? Or are we pretty content where we're going to finish? Never That's content. more of a question than ours end. Never content, but I, I believe that Warburton will improve us on last year and last year he improved us on the year before. So he's done a good job and he's not got much to play with. So, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say content, but I respect the job that he's done. And I respect the way the club are operating these days. Charlie? Yeah, I've, kind of similar to David. I think I'm definitely satisfied. Um, am I happy or um, overjoyed? I'd probably say not because at the time now we're 12. And I think um, that's not major improvement, but with the resources and whatever and the cards he's been dealt, I think, like I say, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm happy with the way it's going. 
it is going to be a long process. I think we all knew that. So like I say, this kind of this slow upward trend is, is kind of continuing. Hopefully it will continue and it will keep on going. Hopefully next year we kind of get a bit closer and the year after that a bit closer. Who knows Wolverton still be there. But yeah, I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm happy and hopefully um, we'll get to that 60 points. I'd love to see us finish inside the top 10, as I've said. <laughs> Brian? Um, I, I, well, if you asked me before Christmas, I'd have had a completely different answer. I thought last year Warburton, last season, did an excellent job. Superb. Um, 16 players in and 50 grand and he molded them very quickly into a very good team highly entertaining team one of my favourite teams in my lifetime now the tail off after COVID I thought was badly handled uh, and I was an internal management slash fitness problem I've no doubt about it and this season was poor enough it was poor and our stats were really really poor coming up to Christmas mm-hmm. and uh I regret it now, but at the time I thought we needed a change. We were coming pretty close to the transfer window and we were pretty, coming pretty close to January with three or four periods of one week training, which we were talking about later, how successful we are when we get time on the training pitch. I thought we needed a change and uh, within a week or two, even before the season, the, the, the new signings came in, he turned it around. I, thought, I think he's done a remarkable job in the second half of this season and uh, I've completely changed my mind. And uh, my, my slight worry is tactically again um, and that's my only little bugbear we made the same mistake again yesterday that we did numerous times before the turnaround which is we lose midfield and we take a midfielder off uh, and we look to bypass midfield and it hardly ever works we end up getting even more brutalised in midfield and our defence comes under more pressure and we end up losing by more um, so I was kind of disappointed to, to see that we hadn't moved on from that yesterday but overall He's done a remarkable job, I think, on very little resources. Uh, I'd like the club to push on, of course I would, but I think we all have to accept the realities where we stand with FFP and, uh, and the financial constraints that puts on us. I much prefer Paul's R's end when Brian does it. <laughs> no, the other bit of my R's end is, is much a... better. Okay, oh, <laughs> go on. Another, another quick one is a, a message of hope in solidarity to... Um, Anthony Rand, who's had an operation today. I know the club did a thing out, and hopefully it goes well and he recovers well. And his dad, Tony, can take him back to Loftus Road. And, um, have a, you know, we could all get back in the game because he's had a horrible three years and it's just been horrendous. So good luck to the fella. And the other thing is, I'm not just saying because Brand's here. I'd just like to give a big shout out to the Irish Hours. People don't realise the efforts these guys go to to get over the games time and time and time again and even myself going to Cork the old time for a pint apparently is great as well so now they are you know that's what I've missed this year you know lockdown obviously you miss but I miss seeing the Norwegians I miss seeing the Irish R's I mean I miss seeing Paul that comes over from New Zealand uh, New Zealand Australia Christ will kill me for that you know Paul Curtis over from New York you know all these long distance fans that come over and, and we don't realise how lucky we are that we get to see Rangers every week at Loftus Road. These guys make a hell of a commitment to come over and you know I salute them immensely and people like yourself, Brian, who do get over and it's a, it's a big, big thing and hopefully next season we can get over and we can get near them playoffs because answer me on question, I'm quite satisfied but I'm incandescent with Rage if we didn't beat Brentford twice. That's my only gripe with the season. Beating them once was lovely, but I'd love to shove it up them twice because that could have been three more points away from the playoffs, which I think they might still blow. Although I think they went into tonight. I know Norwich are five 0 up, I think. So um, yeah, so would it be funny if Brentford did actually fall out the playoffs and like Barnsley went in instead? Wouldn't that be hilarious? Sorry, <laughs> I'm a small oh, any, anything, anything else? I think we're done, right? 
I just want to repeat my thank you to the, to the digital group um, who've come through in the last few years, particularly during lockdown. Both the official QPR, uh, the pod, Laugh for Words, Charlie, and Kick Up the Hours. Honestly, it means an awful lot to the people who can't get the games year on year. So thanks very much. Brian, if you've forgotten anyone, send me an email and I'll mention them next week, all right? Oh. I'm, but by the, for, for the 10-year anniversary, I'm going to have the longest hours end ever. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to start building up to it now. Paul, I'll do, David, I'll I do an hour and a half yeah. for next week's podcast, okay? Yeah. Good man yourself. Good man, you see? Sorry, David, Prone 40 Charlie. minutes. How's that going? Huh? How's the 40 minutes going? We are we're, we're under an hour. That's the best that can be said. Brilliant. That's the best that can be said. Yeah, and Charlie. I haven't got my hours in hours ending yet. No, I just want to say I think David nicked my one earlier about um should Dienga started and Paul, you touched upon my second one earlier again, and I didn't want to comment because I wanted to leave it. No, that's all right. Um what does Albert Adoma have to do to get a bit of game time? Can someone please let me he, know? He has to be t- 10 years younger is what he has to do. Because I, 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 nice I, coordination. <laughs> I did a bit of digging earlier. Um, the last time he's played over 24 minutes was the 15th of December. It's now April. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, since that time, he's, he came on off the bench to get the winner against Watford. Um, he assisted the winner against Bournemouth. He assisted, yeah, okay, a little consolation for Dykes um, on Monday. But... I think when he came on against the Coventry game, I thought he looked fantastic. I thought he actually looked really good um, in the game he kept and in the Forest game. And I'm starting to wonder: it def- was it Warburton that wanted Adama to come in? Because it's definitely not looking like it. It looks like it was. Um... No, go on, David. They signed him on a part-time contract. That's what I want to know because he's not played more than 24 minutes since December. That's that is like working till 11 o'clock every morning since December. <laughs> then you yeah. finish at 11 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize it was that Charlie. I'm I am actually gobsmacked at that start. I, I didn't know you. that. There we go. <laughs> it, does, it takes a lot, but I'm that is terrible, isn't it? Yeah, and you, yeah. you're thinking what he's done. Wow, okay. I can't, remember, I, agree. I, I can't remember. I agree, if, too. I agree as well. I can't remember if he signed on a, a one or a two year contract. I think it is it two. Yeah, okay. Two. Yeah, so. It's not. I can maybe understand if he was coming. He's out of contract at the end of the season. Maybe didn't see him fitting in next year. But it's questionable when he's he's got another year at QPR ahead of him. But Charlie, there was a great point made by fellow Nolan, a lot of words uh, site at halftime yesterday, and he said that the switch is to get Kekai back into the back three, which would release fields, and you could bring a dome on. Maybe you couldn't start the dome at right wing back, but you could bring him on. Yeah, and I thought that was the change. And midway through the second half, even five minutes into the second half, Kakai was not playing well. You could have just no. done a like-for-like swap. You had two yeah. options to get him on the field. And uh, even Willock, 10, 15 minutes in, was fading. You yeah. could have, that's three. Um, Charlie. Yeah, you begin yeah. to think that the, the manager just sees something we don't, or, you know, which Charlie, is Charlie, did you... Or doesn't see it. Has he started a game? Well, has he start, He can't have started a game then since December. No, he hasn't started a game since December. I tell you what, I've made this stat. I'm I'm hoping I'm, I'm bang on because <laughs> I love to I love to double check, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. It sounds about right. This also sounds a bit Warburton game management. He he looks at his age. He's thirty. Mm. Well, is he 32, 33, think, And thinks yeah. that's how I'm going to manage a forward a for a sort of a player that plays in the top half of the pitch. But you want to play at that age, and and he has 
only contributed positively when he's come Definitely. on. So yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, he, he's the best cross of the, of the of in the team without, without a shadow of a doubt. Absolutely. <laughs> He's possibly the only crosser in the team. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> he's not got many players to compete with there, does he? But um, I think let's, Brian not, made... let's not ruin it. Let's <laughs> sorry, not ruin sorry. it. Brian made a very good point. Um, I, I spoke to Dame early in the season and he said that um, he doesn't like playing on the left. And I think the times he has even played, he has been forced to play on the left and he said he'd much prefer yeah. to play on the right. Um, and I completely get what Brian said that in a game where we're chasing a game and I don't really think Kakai is the best defensively. And I don't really think there's that much of a discrepancy between Kakai's defensive ability and Adoma's. And Adoma gives you so much more going forward. So I think in a game where we are behind, maybe we're trying to chase a goal, I think bring Kakai off. And even if there's not enough space to put him in the attacking lineup, you don't want to sacrifice Chair or Willock, put him at right wing back because he's worked hard enough to get up and down that wing. Like I say, he puts in a fantastic cross, as we saw for for the Dykes goal. It was a pinpoint cross, good footwork. And he always looks lively and he always looks like he tries hard. So I don't understand why Adoma has not had more minutes in the QPR shirt. It's like, it's almost like he's he's cost us a game or something and, and Warburton's a bit scared by what Adoma's done. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, it's a weird one, John. I, yeah, go I on, sorry. The, so I think defensively, Brad back, you've said it, but I don't know. I think, he cleared a, I think he's cleared one off the line and stuff. Playing in defence as well, and he's come back. That's mm. that brings in mind. We track back. Yeah, I could sorry. be wrong, uh, but I, I do know his positioning is very good defensively. I mean, you watch him; he's taking up the right positions. I don't think he's a liability at all. No, defensive. I don't. Maybe you know, maybe starting him would be a bit of a stretch, but certainly to come on, no problem with it. No, and I do, I do understand in a way why he has had this lack of minutes. You look at the formation five at the back, and you've got the wing backs. You can't then afford to have wingers as well going forward. You, we play quite narrow, Charlie Austin, Chair, and Willock. Uh, you can't then afford to have um, a Doma. But um, like I say, there is there is a way you can get him into that side. And and Kakai, look, Kane's Kane's gone missing, as we know, maybe a couple off the field things of him possibly. Um, like we said, Kakai, Atletico Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I think there is a way when there's a will there's a way you can get him in that side and I think he has deserved more minutes and some of the, you know he's got eight nine minutes ten minutes he's, he's hardly had much of a looking at the end of a game and and how can you expect someone to consistently come on influence the game when you give him that little time give him half an hour at least bring him on the 60th minute try and change the game so I feel a bit sorry for him but end of the day I'm not the one at the helm so maybe we he sees something we don't so we'll have to see with that one but you have to look, you have to go back and look at his crosses and see how accurate. I mean, that one to Dags, he dinged it. That that you know, you can't teach someone that that's mm. that's almost god given. I don't care how old you are, you know, that 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 was just perfect. So if yeah. you have him on the pitch and Dykes can do that, and Dykes having a, such a barren spell at times, why isn't he on the pitch? Isn't the question I would ask. Yeah, oh, he scored the winner against Watford and then he was dropped straight back to the bench again. But yeah. They'll teach him. Uh Paul, how are we gonna do against Wednesday? Um, I think it's a tricky game because you know everyone else hasn't. We've got no, I'd like to see us beat them because I kind of I I, I remember Sheffield Wednesday when we went up and they were very uncivil to us from putting it mildly and they were awful. So I've always bought a grudge for that and also the this is, the, is this a twenty year old grudge? <laughs> I, I, is this you, a twenty year old grudge? Just just before you answer, Charlie, how old are you? I'm twenty. Right, so this is potentially a grudge that you've held before Charlie was born. Listen, don't get me started in freaking Norwich. That goes way back. So you know what I'm saying? This, this, these grudges last a lifetime. 
Trust me, I'd never forget. I'm like but an elephant. They, they literally have lasted what we a lifetime <laughs> if you're Charlie. Because and then this is Luke. 2002, three, yeah, four. There's, there's, okay, there's not loads. quite as long as that. No, there's, there's a, yeah, I mean, you play them, they put the flipping Bristol City score up and everything. It was awful. Anyway, so I'd like to see Shepherd Wednesday go down, quite frankly. Um, so I'd like to see So 2-0, two, two, two Shepherd Wednesday relegated, and um, they could be big time Charlies in um, League One. Very good. And my maths on the hoof there was bad because, of course, the game was in 2004. So not quite 17 year growth. I don't want to correct you, David, but you know, I, I exaggerate. It's lockdown, mate. Every day is like a lifetime. Right. I will do the opposite of you and say, I believe we will bounce back and win 1 0. Lyndon Dykes to continue. Brian, huh? uh, continue to run. Brian, your prediction. All on to mentality. As you said earlier, they've got something to play for. We clearly haven't at this stage. Um, we're we're a better team than we're a better team than most teams in the division at the moment. So mentality is right. I can't see any reason why we can't beat them by a couple. If it's not, and we know early on, we're in trouble. Um, would I go for the diplomatic one-all draw? Yeah, do that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Charlie. Um, of course, we saw Jeff Wednesday absolutely battered Cardiff in the week five 0 but. Uh, they're on the road for this one. It's obviously at the Kyan Prince, and they've lost five of the last six um, away from home. So, like I said, I'm gonna I'm back in QPR against bounce back. I've got Finity one nil as well. Um, they they don't travel well. Well, they haven't done the last six games anyway. Very good. All right, good lively podcast, gents. Thank you very much for joining us. We will be back next week. Thank you all for listening. This has been Open All Hours. Rangers are on the up and up. QPR, QPR.